Welcome to Good Returns TV. Joining me in the studio now is David Boyle from Mandasset Management. David, happy well, to have you here. How are you? Great to see you, mate. You're looking as young as ever. <laughs> Thank you, David. You too. <laughs> uh, tell me, KiwiSave is our topic today. So we're going into an election campaign. Now, if you had to write the perfect policy for a KiwiSaver, what would it be in it? Far out. That'd be like the... $100 billion question, because that's essentially what we've got in KiwiSaver or close to today. It's My, my personal view would be one that it, it, it really has to be more apolitical. Um, every three years, we're starting to see the next election campaign based around little tidbits of KiwiSaver and trying to tweak it here and there without giving probably its focus as an, as an entity of what it was designed to be in the first place. And if you start using it, as has been recently uh, highlighted, uh, around getting access to, to bond money and, and using so your yeah. KiwiSaver for that. So this is the uh, national party policy of being able to use KiwiSaver to pay your bond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it might sound okay, but actually when you think of the context of, of what KiwiSaver is designed for, you, you're going to start opening it up to a, an account that's more like an emergency savings account rather than a long-term investment account, which is what KiwiSaver is, and it's designed for retirement. So the main thing is, I think, take the political elements away from KiwiSaver, keep the design and the element of it as it was prescribed in the first place, and find out more reasons why people aren't contributing uh, at the moment. So, so... I take it from that that you don't support the National Party policy about using money for bonds? I don't support any policy that would change the fundamental process of what KiwiSaver is designed for. There needs to be, like I say, a consistent approach and help New Zealanders get to retirement in a better place. As I you know, kind of have talked to others about before, if they need their money to get access to a bond, that would suggest to me that their budgeting skills probably aren't very good to live in a flatting environment in the first place. So build up a savings record, get that emergency account savings in place first, and let KiwiSaver do the magic it's designed for. So then looking at KiwiSaver, you know, interested to explore the changes that should be made which are to make this scheme better. One of the things which is really interesting, and I sometimes wonder if we do, you know, I guess one of the interesting things is we, we often talk about how successful it is with how many millions of members are in it, but but a lot of these people aren't contributing. To, so sometimes it feels like we're deluding ourselves about the success of KiwiSaver. Well, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, there's, what, 3.3 million people in there. We know 1.2 million from the FMA results of last year said that, you know, basically that, that number, 1.2 million, are not contributing a cent. Now, of course, there are those that are under 18 and they're not contributing. Then there are those that are between jobs or they're retired, but there's a massive core of salaried wage or contract earners for whatever reason are not contributing. And so that needs to be investigated because with the average balance apparently around $28,000, I know there'll be a lot of people that will have larger amounts of money saved um, and a, a, quite a good percentage of people. So that means the real lower balances for those that probably need it the most a lot smaller than 28,000. So are there any quick or easy fixes to that? I've, you know, and I've been banging this drum so long and I want to keep doing it until we get a resolution. This is, this will be a great government initiative or an industry initiative 
to identify why New Zealanders aren't contributing. Is it because of cost of living? Possibly. Is it the way they're employed? Probably. You know, people that are moved from wages to salary to contract, many are not negotiating or in a position with the employer that they aren't able to get KiwiSaver paid on top of or haven't even thought about it. Nah. So getting those fundamentals right first before we worry about getting increases in contribution rates and making sure they're in the, you know, the right fund is a really important place to start. So what's your view on making KiwiSaver compulsory? Look, compulsory could be the way to go, but it has to be that if, if it did go down that road, we need employers and employees contributing all the time in respect of that. And for those that are not in a, in a lower income, we need to make sure you know, that they're in a position that they can contribute. And there could be a threshold where it's just too difficult initially, where maybe the employer could contribute on their behalf until they got to a stage that they could contribute as well as their income increases. Because that sort of ties in with, you know, the, the low-income people and, and women. They seem to be disadvantaged by KiwiSaver the most. Is, uh... Oh, yeah, well, and, and particularly for women or the caregiver who is looking after family, whether it's their own individual children or whether it's their extended family or parents, because you know, many of us are in the sandwich generation where we're looking after our parents and or my, our children as well. And our children are living at our homes longer. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, pulling and pushing around this area. And I think, you know, certainly recognizing a number of good employers are providing uh, contributions to KiwiSaver, even if they're on maternity leave or they're on childcare leave. And I think there needs to be more, cons and a bit more work to, d to understand where those gaps are and seeing how they can be filled. It seems odd that we're so far into the scheme and we still, still have all these things we don't know enough about. It's, it, we, we must be incredibly data rich. I know that Inland Revenue will have a lot of data. The FMA get a lot of data as well. Data is fine, but it's asking the right questions to get the information that will change policy or a change approach that will be beneficial to all. So, so we have the data. We sort of know what the issues are. How you know? Is it something that? someone's got to take the lead on and say, let's try and fix these issues and, and who should do that? Yeah, look, I'd, my understanding was in 2022, 2021, 2022, the government was going to look at doing a full review on KiwiSaver. And that would mean, hopefully, it would be a bipartisan approach where you'd have public and private agencies that are connected to, you know, uh, the, to KiwiSaver employers, getting a, a round table of, and a process set in place to see what needs to be done to continue the evolution and growth of that for New Zealanders. Do you think it is possible that the political parties could take a bipartisan approach to KiwiSaver? I mean, I know it's a, uh, a big wish. But... Look, if that could be something that they could all agree with, uh, that would be a fundamental shift mm. because it would you'd have certainty, you'd have consistency around the messages. Providers would be able to get those key messages out collectively in the right way so that there's no fear of change because that is a bit of an issue as well because people may think that they can't access their KiwiSaver till later in life. You know, we've got New Zealanders working over the age of 65 that aren't able to get their comp contributions from their employer. You know, people are living longer, they're working longer, so they need to have their investments working longer mm. for them as well. And, and and one of the things which is, you know, of interest to both of us is how do we get more advice into KiwiSaver? 
Advice is a, it's a really big issue in itself. And, and to me, that should be another uh, collaborative approach that includes the FMA, the Financial Advice in New Zealand, um, FSC, and, and representatives in, in the industry to come together and think about how can you provide a light advice option uh, to New Zealanders, those that actually need it most. And the worst case example would be going to follow an Australian model where you know, you essentially, you, 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 you're charging advice that is above uh, the, the cost that people can access in a fair way that will meet their circumstances. And generally, people with lower balances when they reach retirement are those that need advice the most. So, so if, you, if you could get advice into part of the KiwiSaver, would it be to the people who have, say, over $50,000 or $100,000, or would it be to the low balance end? Yeah, there's there could be a range of models that could be developed and there are models already out there. Um, you know, a dollar fee model, a subscription model, but like your Netflix where you might charge, you know, pay a, a fee on a monthly or annual basis. It's not just about the advice though, it's the service. Mm. It's when an event happens to you that you've got the confidence to ring someone that knows your circumstances, that can give you the best advice, but also provide in a cost efficient manner. Yeah. And that is a big part of the New Zealand population that needs that help. We've got a lot to work on, haven't we? <laughs> well, I haven't provided any really good answers, but I think collectively as an industry, we can't keep kicking this can down the place, down the road. And we do need to get some structure, some leadership from politicians, from fund managers, and, and the industry as a whole. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that, David. Let's see what um, happens in the election and, Thanks, and see what goes next. Great. Cheers. See you, mate. <laughs> 